0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on Flowcombat.com. And we got a great show lined up for you guys today. But before we get into that, I wanted to quickly mention to you guys that we do have a new Patreon account. You're gonna wanna pop over to patreon.com slash Turtle MMA. That's patreon.com slash top turtle MMA. We've got all kinds of exclusive contests going on over there for just pledging two bucks a month. That's right, two bucks a month, which you're gonna spend in a dumb way anyway. Two bucks a month, you can get access to contests that are going to win you prizes like a Demetrius Johnson autograph, a Loyola Machida autograph. You can also get fun merch from us. We've got a Fedor autograph that we're going to be giving away. You're going to want to check it all out. So once again, go to Patreon.com/slash. Top turtle MMA. So, this show today is going to be a banger of a show. We've got Corey Anderson fresh off his win against Ilir Latifi. He's talking about the John Jones matchup and what's next for him. Plus, me and Shockwave Dave are going to talk about our 2019 championship predictions. It's a new year, and we're going to look at who we think will probably be champion at the end of the year. And of course, this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. ADK Fightwear is a family owned. MMA and BJJ clothing brand that gives you high quality gear at low, low prices. This gear is so, so well made. I have one of the rash guards that I've used over and over and over again. It doesn't pill. It doesn't fade. All the seams look flawless, and I've been wearing it forever. So check them out at adkfightwear.com, and when you do, use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase. And you're going to get 20% off your whole first order, which winds up getting you a rash guard, a brand new rash guard that's as high quality as I described before for only 20 bucks. So make sure you check them out, adkfightwear.com, and they bring you this episode of Top Turnal MMA that starts right now. This is Daniel gumby Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Corey Anderson, top light heavyweight contender who recently defeated Iller Latifi at UFC 232. So Corey, I want to talk about that victory over Ilar Latifi, because right after it, there seemed to be some Twitter heat between you and John Bones Jones. It seemed like a matchup might possibly be in the works. Was there any talk to you from the UFC or Bones other than that tweet?
1: I mean, I didn't hear anything other than a tweet. My manager hit me up and said there a possibility. He was trying to get or get it all set up with the UFC and the other manager, but I was in Vegas for the whole week. I got back here, and yesterday it was announced he's going with Anthony Smith, so it is what it is.
0: Yeah, it is what it is. And let's talk about that matchup real quick with Anthony Smith. So, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a fight you'll have a close eye on because it's likely that you'll be – you know, next in line for that winner, or at least you know you'll be in a contender fight for that winner. How do you feel like that fight goes? Do you think Anthony Smith is a a live underdog in this fight?
1: I think he's an underdog, but it serves him right. He should be the other dog. I mean, he hasn't really done much. The guys he fought wasn't like he was, they were top tier other than Vulcan, and he was a punching bag until Vulcan got tired. so I don't know. I don't think he's gonna fare too well against Jones. But it's an opportunity, he got it, anything can happen in this.
0: Absolutely. So so let's look to your future now because obviously if you look at the top ten at two oh five, there's a lot of bookings already done. You know, you got Jones Smith, you got you know, the aforementioned Ozdemir is fighting Dominic Reyes, they announced, uh Tiago Santos is fighting Jan Blankovic. That pretty much leaves, you know, in front of you just Daniel Cormier and Alexander Gustafson. You know, what What are you sort of thinking of next? Are you looking for some time off and wait and see how some of these shake off? Or do you have your eye on one of those two?
1: I mean, right now, I like, guess the only thing I was rushing back for the title fight. My wife is due with our child March 12th. So other than that, I'm just chilling. I uh, just got off area Ariel Hawaii show a little bit ago. And while I was on the show, Gunnison called me out. And I told them there, like, other than the title fight, I'm in no rush to come back. Uh, my wife is healthy and my baby is home healthy. And everything is good where I can get back into the gym training. Full time and don't have to worry about being there for them. Then I'll be looking to book a fight again. Other than that, I'm just worried about my family.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, so a realistic timeline for you, you know, if we're waiting until March to get into a really serious training camp, then we got to imagine, you know, a, a few weeks for the training camp. We're we're looking at seeing you towards like the end of May, maybe early June.
1: Yeah, about June. I'm saying like June, July. Probably, so I told my manager so. Unless it's a title fight, something happened. Don't look my way.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So, in theory, if uh, if Anthony Smith or, or Bones were to get hurt and there was you know either a title fight or an interim title fight on the line there, you'd be help, healthy and ready to jump right in there for that?
1: I mean, I'm always going to be in the gym. And I'm the type of, I'm always going to take opportunity. That's an opportunity. Anything else, it doesn't really make sense right now. I beat the number three and the number five this year, and they continue to just sit, and put me in the back seat and let me keep waiting. So, you know, now it's time for me to put my family first and quit worrying about what they think and what they want and do what's best for me and mine.
0: I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So let, let's let talk to you about the theoretical matchup with Jones because I know it was one that you were really looking forward to stylistically too. How, how do you feel up? You, you match with, with John Jones in a fight.
1: Man, I feel I match pretty good and bad for everybody, you know. I feel like it's good for me but bad for them because my movement at 205 is just something you don't see. You don't see a big guy that bounce around like Frank Jaeger. You don't see a big guy that can throw combos all three rounds and still at the end of the fight have a gas tank and be able to keep going. You know, most guys, it's either they're a better striker or they can catch this guy because they sit and steal and they don't have the wrestling or something. Well, I got the wrestling, I got the hands, and I got the cardio. So when you put all three together, if I always show up on my A game, it's a, bluff, a tough night for everybody.
0: Yeah, and you definitely saw that cardio in the Latifi fight. Now, I, I, I wanted to throw it back to you, so rather than just talk about some of the future stuff too here, I recently heard a story where, uh, where one of the reasons that you got into MMA was because of Ben Askren. Uh, is there any truth to that, and sort of how did that come about?
1: That's 100% true. Ben coached me in my senior year in college. Well, he helped coach in my senior year in college when I was at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. He used to come up from uh, AWA and work with us like once a week. I mean, Ben hit off really well. We trained a lot together. And then after the season, uh, I lost in the national finals, took second, and I got a text from Ben. I was going for the Olympics and the Junior Olympic Trials and whatnot, so he invited me up to work with him to practice the freestyle wrestling and get some work in with him. And before you know it, he sent me a, a text to meet him at an address, which happened to be Rufus Sport, and ended up going up to that gym and never wrestled again.
0: Wow, that's certainly a hell of a story, too. So uh, I imagine, too, seeing him get moved to the UFC and the historic trade that was was pretty exciting for you, too, then, no?
1: Oh, hell yeah, that was super exciting. I was very exciting for him and just, like, the UFC period. I know he's going to bring the, the spice to their life, you know, not just his trash talk and whatnot, but the funk, the way he trains, the way he fights. Like, I used to train with MMA and wrestling, and it's, like, the same. You think you got him dead to rights for the takedown, and before you know it, he's gone. So I can't wait to see him do that in the act on UFC at the highest level, and all those who have been doubting him, all the naysayers, you know, prove them wrong.
0: Yeah, and and obviously, you know, I I usually like to run these interviews and and ask at the end, you know, for a prediction on your own fight, but you're you're just coming off a fight, so I'll ask you to to close this one out. How how do you see the fight with Ben Askren and and Robbie Lawler going at uh, UFC 235?
1: I'm seeing that Finn's going to take him down and he's either going to finish him on the ground or he's going to have him down for three rounds and pay for it.
0: All right. Well, we're looking forward to that fight. And, Corey, we we wish you the best of luck. Hope everything goes excellent with your wife and and your soon-to-be first child of yours?
1: Yep, my first child.
0: Well, we we certainly wish you the best for, for your first child and your wife. We hope everything goes wonderfully, and we're looking forward to seeing you back there in the octagon. Once again, this was Corey Anderson, top Light heavyweight contender, fresh off of his win at UFC 232. Corey, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it, man.
1: Thank you. You have a good one.
0: In that interview with Corey, Overtime Anderson is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Look, the underwear game has officially changed. You guys are used to having to work out in either boxers, where everything flops around and feels all uncomfortable, or briefs where things get overly sweaty and crushed. Now you can get the best of both worlds, the freedom of boxers and the security of briefs All in one pair of underwear and sheath underwear is got it for you. Go to sheathunderwear.com. Use promo code FLOW. That's F-L-O. You're going to get 20% off your order. And let me tell you some of the benefits of this underwear. First of all, they have an innovative front pocket that keeps your marbles supported while also promoting airflow so that you don't feel hot and you don't get super sweaty. And when you do work out and get too hot and sweaty because, you know, you, you work hard, they have antimicrobial material Uh, That is moisture-wicking, so it's going to keep all of your downstairs fresh. So head to SheathUnderwear.com and check out what they've got for you. I, of course, am Daniel Gumby-Vreeland here, joined by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, let's talk about Corey Anderson. What do you think about the amount of time he is taking off?
2: Well, you know what? It's a really good reason, the birth of his kid. Can't argue with it. I actually uh, believe some fighters have come back too soon from that. Uh, I wanted to say Stipe last year. Sometimes that plays into things. You don't want to come back too soon. You want to get settled with the little monster at home, make sure the misses is all good. So it's a good reason. Yeah, that all being said, it's bad timing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't agree with you more on that. It's it's a really good reason, and it's unfortunate because he just flattened You know, Alexander Gustafson's teammate, and Alexander Gustafson then calls out Corey Anderson, which is a, you know, like a big name to be calling out Corey, which is really cool. So it's like a little bit unfortunate on the timing, but, you know, I feel like some of that momentum, at least, will still be there in June when he's ready to go again.
2: Absolutely. Uh, And we wish him the best. You know, Corey Anderson, one of the more exciting fighters at this point at the 205 division uh, before it was announced that Jones would be fighting uh, Anthony Smith, uh, it it was talked about that maybe it'd be Corey Anderson.
0: Yeah, and, and I think he he thought too that that was a possibility. But as he says in the interview, no, nothing ever super serious. But like, hey, you do that to Ilir Latifi, and there's no reason to think that you couldn't be next.
2: Well, speaking of John Jones and Anthony Smith, it is rumored that they're going to fight in March at UFC 235. Actually, more than rumored, I should say, it was announced uh, by the UFC. But what I want to talk to you about, Gumby, right now is it was also announced that Tyron Woodley will be defending his 170-pound title against, wait for it, Colby Covington, nope, scratch that, Kamari Usman. Now, we just had Colby Covington on the show. He thought something like this might happen. What do you make of this uh, jumbled title picture?
0: You know, it's kind of wild to me because if, if you ask me who I think is the biggest threat to Tyron Woodley, I truly, in my heart, believe it's Kamara Usman. I've been saying it for probably a year, year and a half. I think Kamara Usman is probably the worst matchup for Tyrone Woodley at welterweight right now. He's the the most dangerous person for him to fight. And and if we're going by that, this is the right call. But at the same time, Colby Covington was the interim champion, so he's got that going for him. And on top of that, when has the UFC ever made what I think is, like, the right decision when it comes to, like, the most talented getting the title shot. They always do what they they can sell the best. And I have to believe Colby Covington is also who will sell the best. So he's, like, got the interim title. He is who sells the best. I'm shocked that they made this match
2: Yeah, it's very well said, and it's very interesting. You know, Colby obviously sensed something was going down. He said he thought because he was a Trump supporter— that William Morris endeavors being the owners of the UFC and not Trump supporters, that they would pull this kind of thing. That's obviously Colby just creating a storyline. He follows pro wrestling. He knows how to work an angle as they say. Uh, But he did obviously sense that this was going to happen. And, You know, him and Dana White just went to the Oval Office to visit the President of the United States together. I have trouble believing that there's now beef between them just because he wasn't ready to fight at this one event in September. I think something more is going on behind the scenes. I also like what Colby did as a counter move, which was he said, I, you know, dare the UFC to release me. They won't because I'm a hot commodity. I thought that was a pretty good line. Uh, obviously I think Colby gets the winner of this, but I don't know, maybe something's going on behind the scenes we just don't know about yet.
0: Yeah, and I, I can't imagine that they, even if they try to get him to fight again, to earn you know, earn a title shot, I mean, he was the interim title, or champion, he doesn't have to earn a title shot, but if they ask him to fight again to earn a shot, I can't imagine him accepting it. So, like, I assume he also gets the winner, but it's, it's sort of a weird situation.
2: Well, speaking of belts, uh, we're gonna play a fun game here. Uh, we did this in the year 2016 and 2017. We didn't do it in the year 2018 for some weird reason. Huh. Uh, but we're bringing it back and we're gonna do our belt retention game. We're gonna decide what current champion will still be champion at the end of the year. Uh, and you know, sometimes these belts play hot potato. Or sometimes you could keep it, and uh, when the music stops, you get the the chair. Is that the game? Musical chairs, the music (laughs) stops, you get a chair. I don't even fucking know. Anyway, Gumby, does any company bring our fans this belt retention game we're about to play?
0: Absolutely. This belt retention game is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Head to com for the only mouthguard. That allows you to talk, breathe, and drink all with the mouth guard up in your mouth. And they've got all kinds of different mouth guards depending on what sport or activity you do. They've got it for your kiddos. They've got it for people who do high-impact sports. they got it for people who do team sports. So no matter what you need to protect your choppers, head on to sisuguard.com and get it there.
2: I always, when I go to jujitsu, jitsu which is several times per week, much to my wife's chagrin. Uh, I'm always wearing a Sisu mouth guard. It's safety first, but you know what? I don't even notice it. It's just so thin, lightweight, and compact. It's easy to use. You could talk with it in your mouth. All right, I've said enough. Gumby, now we always do meticulous pre-production on the show, but for <laughs> this game, I don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say. We're playing it fast. We're playing it loose because this is the type of game where we don't want to you know, conspire on our answers. So, with that all being said, would you like to start with the lightest of weights? Or would you like to start with the heaviest of weights? Your call. I
0: think the heaviest are probably the easiest, so we'll do those lightning round towards the end. So let's start at the beginning where it is the hardest to pick.
2: Okay, so we will start with 115-pound women, current champion, Rose Nama did not defend her title in 2018. That is a fact. But she did beat the one-time GOAT of that division. Of course, the division hasn't been around that long. Uh and Njacek, she's beat her twice now. Uh What do you think? Will Rose Namajunas be champion at the end of the year?
0: I'm going to, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I'm going to say no. And here's why I'm going to say no is right before we came on the air, I was poking around on Twitter and they announced that in May she would be fighting Jessica Andrade, which I think is the right matchup. I think Jessica Andrade is a really dangerous matchup for her because she's so powerful and she moves forward at a, uh, you know, a really aggressive clip. And if she were to beat Jessica Andrade, which I think she could do, it's kind of a coin flip in my head right now as I think about the fight. I'm guessing she probably fights one more time in this year. And that one more time is probably Tatiana Suarez. And I'm just thinking about the kind of year it would take Rose Namajunas to beat Jessica Andrade and Tatiana Suarez. And I I just can't see it happening.
2: Yeah, so the answer here for me is Tatiana Suarez. uh, Meaning that I could, you know, go and bet right now comfortably that Rose can get by Jessica Andrade, drag her into late rounds, I'll point her. But I take Tatiana Suarez in a matchup against Rosanami Yunus right now. Uh, So I'm going to say no just going off the fact that I imagine Tatiana Suarez will get that title shot in the fall. And the intern here at Top Turtle MMA Studios has corrected me. Yoana did actually fight in 2018. She defended her belt in April. I don't know why my brain just completely whitewashed that and i forgot that was when the joana rematch happened so she beat joana in the span uh twice in the span of 6 months november of 2017 and then april of 2018 we'll move on to 125 pounds will it even still be a division how do we even count this all right henry Cejudo is the champion right now he's going to fight tj dillashaw who's cutting down the weight to go to that uh title but uh who knows if it's even a division after this next fight so, I don't know. Is Henry Cejudo still the flyweight champion at the end of the year?
0: I'm going to say yes. And and this is crazy to say because I think if he gets through Dillashaw, which I, I think he can get through Dillashaw. As a matter of fact, you'll hear it next week when we're talking about breakdowns of these fights. And I'm actually picking Henry Cejudo in this fight. I think he's faster, um, especially with, with Dillashaw going down. I think the cardio is probably on his side. I think Henry Cejudo wins here. And by virtue of winning, he probably keeps this division alive at least for the rest of the year. He might go up to 135 to try to beat Dillashaw there then. You know, we might get like a rematch. Um, I know he's, you know, Dana White's gone on record and saying Marlon Marais or Rafael Sonsau gets the next bout, but you know, you don't always trust what Dana says. So uh, I think if Cejudo gets it done in Brooklyn next week, I think the belt stays around and I think he keeps it because there's no real other threats at 25 that I'm worried about right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I actually, my bet here that I'm more sure about is I just don't even think it's an active title belt Mm -hmm. come the end of the year. I think this is the swan song for the division. Uh, so I'm going to agree with you. I'll say Sahudo yes, because I think Suhudo will get past Dillashaw. I need to see Dillashaw sucking down all that weight at 125 mm. before I can adequately know what to expect. I picked TJ with Sahudo coming up to 135. It's a very close matchup. I can't wait to see it. Mm. Uh, so I'll say yes on Sahudo, but again, I don't even think it'll be an active title. We'll move then to the other side, 125-pound uh, women's Valentina Shevchenko, the champion, uh, probably defending against Nico Montano, I would imagine coming up soon. I will kick to myself first. I'm going to go out on not a huge limb and say that Chevchenko will be the champion at the end of the year. What says you?
0: I, I think that's probably one of the easier picks because e- e- if she fights Nico Montano, I think she for sure keeps it. And I actually think the the more likely fight she might have is Jessica. I seems to be a popular pick right now. Sejar Eubanks maybe is possible, but I think all three of those she beats pretty handedly, and this one is a pretty easy pick. Uh,
2: we'll move then to 135 pounds. He's really creeping into the dominant Cruz goat category of 135 pounds. It's the aforementioned TJ Dillashaw. I think you brought up the idea that if Cejudo were to beat him at 125 and then maybe if they scrapped the division, could see Cejudo coming up to 135 and challenging Dillashaw there. That division is pretty loaded nonetheless. What do you say? I'll kick it to you first. Is Dillashaw the champion at the end of the year?
0: I'm going to go yes. And I didn't think I would go yes. But when you think about it, he's going to defend in February. you got to imagine he's going to take three or four not,
2: months. Not, to, not defend. Oh, not defend. He's You're gonna right. Fight. He's going to fight yeah. in
0: February. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, so you got to imagine he's not going to fight for another four months, three, four months after that. We're probably looking at one title defense, and it's either Cejudo coming up in a division or probably Marlon Marais, and and I like him in a fight with Marlon Marais. This is more of a pick based on, I think it is a stacked division. I think there are people who can beat him, but as timing goes, I don't think before the end of 2019.
2: So, it's yeah, I, I agree with you there. I have nothing to uh, to argue with. I agree completely. You just have to go based off the math that, you know, he probably will only defend once this year. We'll move to 135-pound women, uh, and then we'll go to 145-pound women right away. So it's Amanda Nunes, and I'll kick it to myself first. Let's talk about her being the champ champ, the double champ, 135 and 145. At 135, I believe she will still be champion. I believe Holly Holm could outpoint her in a decision win. However, I could also see Amanda Nunes. Actually, you know what? I really feel like Holly Holm could beat Amanda Nunes now that I'm talking about this out loud. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. She's the GOAT female fighter of all time. I'm going to say Amanda Nunes is not either division champion at the end of the year. I think Holly Holm could beat her. I think Holly Holm could outpoint her in a five round decision. And I think at 145 pounds, I just don't even think it's going to be a division again. And I could also see Cyborg beating her in a rematch. What do you say for Amanda Nunes, both divisions? I'd like her to
0: keep 35. Um, Holly Holm, I think you're right, can outpoint her. But Holly Holm tends to, in those types of fights, move back a little bit too much for me um, and not quite be aggressive enough. And I think Amanda Nunes either tags her with her aggression. Or is able to pick up enough of the judges' scorecards. Um, she can wrestle a little bit too, which I feel like people forget. So I, I think she would probably be Holly Holm and keep that title. I sort of agree with you on the 45-pound title. Here's my thought on how that's going to work. The UFC is going to come in an incredibly low ball cyborg now that she's not the champ. They're going to offer her some minuscule contract. And she has two choices. She can either sign it or fight out the last fight of her contract. If she signs the minuscule contract, this will still be a division. She will at- then fight Amanda Nunez for the title again, and it's even more of a reason that Nunez keeps the 35 title because she probably won't defend it. However, yeah, she- I'm good. I think if she doesn't sign the contract and she says, I'm going to fight it out, they don't give her the rematch. They make her fight somebody like Megan Anderson, and then when they beat she beats Megan Anderson, they're like, well, of course she beat Megan Anderson, but she can't beat Amanda Nunez. Enjoy fucking Bellatorre.
2: Yeah, I, I don't even want to get into those negotiations. I agree with you. I, everything you laid out there, I think is very realistic. Um, it actually kind of hurts my head to think about it just because she's been unhappy in the UFC, but she also really has been like one of the better draws mm-hmm. for the UFC. And I don't think that gets talked about enough, but you know, in an era where only the tippy top, top end stars, the John Jones, the GSPs coming back, the Connors, Can sell, you know, over even a 500,000 buy rate, you know, into that 700,000 and million buy rate. No one else can even crack 300. Cyborg can. Cyborg is the only person not named John Jones, Conor McGregor, GSP, Brock Lesnar in the past year and a half to crack a 300,000 buy rate. So I think it makes good business sense for the UFC to bring her back. But now I'm regretting my answer because when I think about it as we talk about this out loud, At best, Noon's going to defend, I mean, will Noon's fight three times in the year? Maybe, but probably what we're talking about is she defends 145 and she defends 135 one time each, Mm -hmm. and she could certainly get by on those two fights. So probably a better answer on your side there. We'll keep it moving, though. 145-pound men. You have Max Holloway on the upswing. Always rumors of him coming up to 155 to fight a big name there, but there are plenty of young, hot prospects at 145 for him to fight: Alex uh Zabit, Yair Rodriguez, etc., cetera, et cetera. What do you think for Max? I,
0: I think he keeps it. Um, I, I, I was so impressed with what he did to Brian Ortega. You, you're going to have to. He's going to have to lose or fight Habib in order for me to pick against him right now.
2: Uh, I agree completely. There's just no one at 145 that I really feel even matches up with him that great. Uh, Volkanovski, yeah, maybe he could take it to him on the wrestling and the pressure side. Not even on the pressure side, but just on the pre- the pressure wrestling game, I should say, not striking. Uh, and then even with Zabit, I don't, I don't know yet. I'm looking forward to seeing Zabit and uh, Jeremy Stevens, obviously. Uh, just to see Zabit's development, you know, I could see Zabit more in the 2020 range for champion. Yep. Uh, so I'm gonna say same as you, yes. We'll move them to 155. Habib Nurmagomedov, what do you think?
0: I, I think he keeps it. I, I've picked against him about seven times using Tony Ferguson in the all of their matchups. Like every time that that fight comes down the pike, I'm like, of course Tony Ferguson's gonna beat him. The more and more it gets close, and the more and more performances I see from either of them. Tony got tagged a little bit by, you know, kind of a downward slope, Anthony Pettis. And and what Habib has done is just done enough so that, again, he's entered that picture where I don't pick against him until he loses first.
2: Yeah, I also think with Ramadan in the summer, you know, Habib also with only probably two or so fights left in his career, if you believe the rumors are true, uh, I think he ends up defending one time this year. I mean, we don't – he's not on the March card, so he would have to be on the April card, I would think, April or May. Well, and that then he gets it's
1: clear. And,
2: right, and you have the whole uh, thing with the Las Vegas Athletic Commission – or, sorry, Nevada Athletic Commission. So, yeah, I think it's an easy pick there to just say Habib, yes. I think at best he defends twice, but more than likely he defends once. Uh, and then you never know, he might have a super fight with like GSP at 165 or something. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go then to 170. We already know his next challenger, Tyron Woodley, the champion, Usman, the challenger. I'll kick it to myself here. I'm going to say yes. I think he could get by Usman. I do agree with you that Usman matches up well. And then as far as the next person, it would be Colby Covington. And I, I'm pretty sure that Woodley beats Covington. So again, I'm looking at how many times does he defend twice. I really like him against Covington. I so, so like him against Usman. I'm saying yes. What are you saying?
0: I'm going to say no. I I do like Kamara Usman. I'm interested to see how this matchup works out. I'm interested to see how their wrestling works out. Kamara Usman put a pretty mean looking beat down on RDA and it's enough to make me at least question what's going to happen here. And if I look back at all my other ones, I've pretty much said most of these champions are retaining except for Rose Namajunas. So we'll just add Tyron Woodley to my my people who are going to lose their title in 2019. And Dana White rejoices.
2: Yeah, I mean I think we did this in previous years and the turnover with these title belts is massive. Yeah. Uh so we're probably headed for destruction here and picking all these people to retain. Uh but you know, that's what makes the sport great. 185 pounds, champion is Robert Whitaker. Whitaker was my champion I was thinking of that didn't defend in the year twenty eighteen. Nope, that's not oh. true. He defended against Joel Romero. I <laughs> thought there was a champion that didn't defend in 2018. But anyway, uh, you know, who's at 185? Rockhold, he talks about going up to 205. Um, who, uh, he's obviously defending against Gastelum. They're on the season of the Ultimate Fighter. I think Whitaker beats Gastelum. So I'm going to say yes on Whitaker too, actually. What says you?
0: I'm going to say no. And the reason I'm going to say no is because of Israel um, they, If I'm not mistaken, they're fighting on the same fight card. And to me, they are trying to brew something big for the end of the year, New Zealand versus Australia. Um, I imagine they're going to go back to Sydney or something like that towards the end of the year um, if both of them win. And I think Israel Adesanya is is, is gift-wrapped for him to win fighting Anderson Silva. I I think he's just a better, younger version of Anderson Silva right now. I think Whitaker wins easy. And then towards the end of the year, I don't like the way that Israel Adesanya matches up with Robert Whitaker. So I'm going to say he's going to lose it at the end of the year in probably, like I said, in Sydney. I mean, I don't think they'd do a New Zealand show, but they could do a New Zealand show. Some sort of big show down under.
2: Uh, we'll move then to 205, John Bones Jones, uh, champion once again. So really, let's just make this easy. Jones is going to beat every 205er you put in front of him. There's no one at 205 that's going to beat John Jones. You're, I I'm, i don't even know what you're going to say, but I'm not going to let you say that someone at 205 could beat him. <laughs> that would be so Stupid of you to say. Yeah, I I don't don't think
0: anybody, I'll defend myself there too. I don't think anybody at 205 or anybody coming up from 185 could beat him or anybody coming down from 265 can beat him. I truly believe the only reason he would lose the title is if he fucking ran over another pregnant woman.
2: Right, that's the only decision there is will Jones fuck up and will it get stripped away from him? Let's both just say no. He's going to be a choir boy this year. He's not going to pop for rocket fuel. He's not going to do anything that breaks the law. We'll both say yes on John Bones Jones. Last one, two sixty-five. The champ is DC. Is he still the champ at the end of the year? What do you say?
0: I say he is. Um, I, I, you know, John Jones doesn't seem interested in going up to two sixty-five. I mean, it really, it doesn't do all that much for his legacy, too. I mean, he's beat. Daniel Cormier twice. Why does he need to beat him a third time? He probably doesn't need to. So, I don't think he's going to go up and beat him. Um, You know, Stipe might get that rematch. I don't really love Stipe in that rematch after the the first one. He's not going to fight the only person in the division who I think could beat him if he was healthy, and that's Cain Velazquez, because they're teammates. So, I think DC just hangs on to it.
2: It's really tough. I mean, is he even going to be an active fighter at the end of the year you hear so many things about him wanting to retire or being close to retirement then if he really is going to defend against Brock Lesnar and we don't know this yet but if he is going to defend against Brock Lesnar he's beating Brock Lesnar so right there he got by the first title defense of the year and at best he's probably gonna have two uh I'll, I'll say say it with you I'm gonna say yes but I could also see a scenario where who knows maybe he beats Brock in the spring. And then beats someone else, could be a Stipe, could be a Francis Naganu in the fall, and then he vacates it because he's retiring. I just don't know. Uh, so there you have it. Follow the show on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We'll post our picks there. You can make fun of us for how wrong we are at the end of the year. Gumby, that about wraps it up for us. Why don't you do some house cleaning? Uh, and tell the fans where they can now find us and our big announcement and anything else that they should know.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA. We thank you so much for tuning in. We want to remind you to head on over to our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter, we got all kinds of fun giveaways and stuff going on in there. And if you can't get enough of our giveaways, head on over to Patreon.com/topturtlemma for pledging just two bucks. You're going to get all kinds of exclusive access to extra contests. Plus, we want to give a thank you to Flow Combat for having us on each and every week, and to all of our sponsors ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, and Sisu Mouthguards. I am Daniel Gumby Freeland, and he is Shockwave Dave Tremante, and we are going to see you next week.